Welcome to On Culture. On this podcast, we talk about culture and faith and the world and our place in it. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support our work and explore all of our content on our website, theembassy.substack.com. Here's Mike. Welcome back to On Culture. This is our, our regular uh, visit. Uh, it's talking about culture, talking about the latest uh, dispatch from the embassy, theembassy.substack.com. I am joined by Jacob Shuttle, whose voice you hear at the beginning and the end of all of these podcasts. You'll now hear his voice uh, in the middle. Uh, how are you doing, Jacob? Good. How are you doing, Mike? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, we're going to talk about wonder. Uh, that's the that's the top topic of uh, the latest um, the latest uh, dispatch from the embassy. By the way, I'm having a little work done in my house. I'm upstairs, and there's some drywall patching. So you know, if that leaks through, that's that's don't worry about what that is. It's not happening in your place. It's happening in my place. So um, just to be forewarned. Uh, so we're going to talk about wonder. That you actually have added in posts, right? To for authenticity, uh, you know, yeah. to make it sound like I'm really at home with work being done. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about wonder, uh, and that's sort of a weird, uh, maybe wonder, awe, glory-ish, you know, that whole sort of hard-to-define, um, you know, concept. And it kind of has to do with Christmas a bit, or at least that's that's the connection to it. Uh, and so I kind of wanted to, you know, like what, Talk about Christmas in the shuttle home when you were a child. Uh, how is how is uh, Christmas different for a, a child, a small child, an older child, a teenager, an adult? You know, talk about Christmas and wonder. Yeah, I think uh, as a child growing up, my parents were always very intentional with, um, you know, the gifts and um, even I guess our. Uh, I don't know, our belief system, right? Um, uh, my parents grew up Catholic, and so we had some, you know, Catholic background, but then there was fallout, so we weren't church and probably wouldn't really be considered Christians. And so, like, um, and not that it's wrong or bad or anything like that, but um, definitely more, you know, Santa-centric. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Santa-centric. Yeah, Um <laughs> It can be a divisive issue, uh-huh. um, sure, especially sure. within uh, Christianity. Yeah. Um, and then in, I think I was at third grade, and uh, we started going back to church. Um, and so Christmas very much became more uh, Jesus centric, and so, mm-hmm. um, you know, when we, you know, still a that you know, uh, that excitement in the air, you know, Christmas mm-hmm. morning coming down and. Uh, most of the time, my mom or dad or both of them would be, you know, making some type of, you know, little extra special breakfast or something like that. And um, it'd be kind of the that special breakfast and then just, you know, coming down, seeing some presents under the tree um, just with the, you know, the, the tag on it, no longer saying that it was from Santa, but rather Jesus. Mm. Um, <laughs> and so like that, that's a bit of the shift. Um <laughs> <laughs> with it you know trying to keep yeah. focus which you know i yeah. i appreciate as well um yeah but i i yeah. guess um yeah so like a lot of awe and they did a really good job also like trying to keep it 
as as I grew older, or, you know, my sister, we grow older, like it wasn't like the presents were just under the tree, you know, like they were hidden a little bit. So like there was a little bit oh, of okay. like, you yeah. know, uh, yeah, having to like seek it out and find it and kind of adding to that anticipation as well. Cool. Um, of the yeah, morning. that's very cool. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, as a teenager, you do lose like that just general like going down the stairs like you just like I, I expect it you know like I as opposed to yeah like, at some point you get a little too a little too cool for school a little like you know you don't want to that childlike wonder kind of is something that you feel like where you should outgrow right uh you know I'm yeah. like you know I'm beyond all this and you know all that stuff uh and I do think yeah. there's there's part of that right that's that's um the wonder comes naturally and then it doesn't kind of right oh for sure um and i think that it's honestly it's probably in stages and like understanding of it like if it is just about the gift or the present right Mm -hmm. and it your anticipation of what it might be but then you're like oh that wasn't like i think you reach an age where you start to like maybe it was just me i don't know i was like oh, this wasn't, like, on the list. I'm surprised by this. I'm not as excited internally. Mm. Like, I didn't have the... um, (laughs) And then, you know, now as an adult and, you know, having kids and stuff, like, I actually just, like, the season in general, I think, promotes wonder Mm -hmm. in me. And I think I I probably lived most of my life, actually, in wonder and in awe. Um. But then being able to actually write, see your kids, As a parent. yeah, yeah, experience yeah. it, and just like yeah. they can't really. Uh, my son's two, so he can't put, you know, two and two together yet mm-hmm. or can't anything. Articulate he just sees something all and he goes, the, right. oh, "Wow!" Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. There's sort of, I think, with Christmas, there's sort of a, a, a sort of a natural response of wonder, I think, and I think if you lose, the, you know, as you if you grow older or whatever, you lose the sort of source of that, then it can become just a generic celebration with fun. Like, I don't think the elf on the shelf is sinful. I think it's a little weird, actually. Uh, Like there's this pretend elf that's watching you all the time. Kind of creepy, but whatever. Uh, That's not something we had as a kid. Yeah, that's a different podcast because I think that, yeah, promoting, for me, I feel like it promotes like shame and guilt and, all yeah. these things that there's probably yeah. like baggage in my own life. Yeah. yeah, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't really lot. We, you know, we kind of like didn't say Santa's not real, but we didn't really say he was either. Uh, yeah. I would have had trouble saying this elf on the shelf is watching you. So, you know, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that's true. But anybody who's listening is doing that. I don't think it's like super hurtful. Yeah. Uh, but there's a, I think holidays, you know, it's why you, you see Halloween is now this huge celebration. Like we like the celebration part of it. But I almost think that we maybe have lost, you know, the, the true sort of uh, kind of the uh, initial wondrous response, you know, and all the Christmas carols are almost a reminder of, you know, star of wonder, you know, oh, oh holy night, oh, come let us adore him. All these things that are adoration, awe, wonder, glory, um, that is, you know, the the for christians the you know god came to live among us for a time it's the inflection point of the story that we're in and you know that's a wondrous eternity universe 
cosmos changing event, you know, in a sense, literally the whole fulcrum of human history. And, you know, the angels and the shepherds and, you know, angelic appearances to Mary and to Joseph and, you know, the star and the wise men, all of this sort of wondrous, inexplainable any other way, uh, you know, events. Um, you know, that's really what Christmas is kind of all about. And I think there's sort of a natural, um, you know, response to that, or maybe supernatural response to that, that we maybe can grow out of or get a little, you know, whatever, cynical or jaded. And, you know, I, I used at the beginning of the piece that I wrote, I used the uh, John the Baptist leaping in the womb of Elizabeth, you know, when he, when G, when Mary, who's pregnant with Jesus, walks into the room, there's this sort of natural, this sort of natural, I say natural, but it's automatic, supernatural response of wonder, like God is now here with us. And I, I think it, I think for us now here in the church age, this sense that, you know, we're in God's presence, or I, I don't know if we just take it for granted, uh, but I think it's easy. I mean, I think there's a lot of things in our world that work against the sense of the supernatural, the divine, the wondrous, the glorious, the awesome in our lives. And Christmas should be a reminder of those things. And I think sometimes it, it maybe isn't, um, you know, so I don't know. What, what do you think gets in the way of all of that, of wonder, of that response? What subdues it or squelches it or whatever? Yeah, I think we're inundated with just a lot of distractions. Um, I think um, everyone is vying for, you know, our attention and it's not easy to get. And so you have to keep, you know, like one upping yourself and others. And like, so especially the Christmas season, it's like, well, you have to trump Christmas. Like you have to exceed the wonder and the expectation and anticipation of that season. And so I think that is probably one of the biggest things that is working mean against like, us. You mean like it's a performance? It's like a achievement? Oh, yeah. 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 And, uh, you know, especially even in the church world like Christmas, the uh, I think there's tradition. I think there's pageantry. Um, I think that there, um, there's performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it's a delicate balance and... Um, of having some of that, but there being like vulnerability and transparency, like of the story actually shining through Mm -hmm. versus, you know, um, the way, you know, maybe the focus of the, uh, the way a song or multiple songs were arranged and gathered together or, you know, the choir or Mm -hmm. I saw something on social media about, you know, this church that was preparing for, Christmas and they've got, I'm assuming it was like a drummer boy type of thing, but they've got like seven different like zip lines that are motorized that are (laughs) carrying these drummers through the air over where the congregation will be seated. Right. And that's hilarious. I've, I've grown up for the most part in the church, been at the church, like, and I just go, huh, is that, that's where we're at. Like even in the church, like, right, we're competing. We have to top, top last year, top the other churches. Yeah. The funny thing about the drummer, obviously the drummer boy 
is in a is a wholly invented uh you know tradition which is fine it's fine to have you know stories of you know it's a story of a drummer boy it's sort of like we can identify with you know doesn't have much to bring blah 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 it's just odd that that becomes a centerpiece of church celebrations because it, you know, it is <laughs> actually in the Bible. Uh, right. And that sort of kind of, you know, kind of points to, you know, in a sense, our celebration of Christmas can become an obstacle to wonder. Uh, and I think ideally Christmas is a time where we acknowledge that, you know, that we're in this big story that, the fulcrum of which is God coming to us in Christ and being born and living and dying and rising again. Uh, and that we can, we are connected to this heavenly wonder, which we will at one point in our future experience directly, but that every once in a while we get glimpses of it. Uh, Christmas should be a sort of a planned glimpse, but you know, I, I quote from, uh, the, I guess it was uh, Stephen King originally wrote the story. I don't know who wrote the screenplay, but you know, it's, it's read from the Shawshank Redemption uh, recounting when they, you know, when Andy Dufresne broke into the warden's office and played opera played, I think the marriage of Figaro or the wedding of Figaro. Um, and, you know, this sense of, you know, for, for those few minutes, every man at Shawshank felt free and this sense of this glimpse of something beyond us that, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis called it, you know, the kind of the glimpse of the doorway of our, this far off country, but our home country, our home far off country. And that's kind of in his definition is what wonder is, is this desire to be reunited with <clears throat> our home yet far off country that came to visit us at Christmas. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, uh, in a sense, can come to visit us from time. We get glimpses of it here or there. And in that sense, that wonder then is it doesn't require Christian faith. It requires Christian, you know, Christian understanding to correctly interpret it, but that everyone gets these glimpses. That's what wonder and awe is. It's a glimpse of, of you know, uh, beauty and glory and awe of this far off country. Uh, and I think part of, you know, I, I just think that's a helpful way to think of, uh, of what we, when we talk about wonder, what we talk about, that it's something beyond us mm -hmm. and everything that we try to do that's right here can, you know, can all conspire to get in the way of these glimpses of, of the, I don't, and I'm not sure what there is to do about that because necessarily Christmas involves, you know, making dinner and buying presents and, and, you know, going places and visiting people and having people visit, you know, necessarily Christmas involves all of those things. And yet, you know, how do we do all of those things and not, you know, not lose the wonder, uh, uh, you know, star of wonder, star of night, you know, how do we not lose the wonder of, of the, the reality of Christmas with our celebration of it? Yeah, I think cause you, even referencing some of the like older like Christmas hymns um, and, you know, their allusion to wonder. Um, and more recently for, for me, um, just as an adult, um, but I'm, I'm fascinated and I'm like awestruck every time I just like walk outside and look up. Mm -hmm. I have a fascination with the sky. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that has to deal with, in my mind, I'm interpreting God as well or trying to understand him and like his vastness and just looking up at like the expanse of stars. And I know over the past couple of years, um, and there's even more emphasis even this year, um, again, though it won't be quite as closely aligned is right. The Bethlehem star. And I love that even within our culture, uh, and society, whether it's belief or not, right. right the alignment of, I think it's Venus, Mars and, Jupiter or something, right? There's like three in it. So mm-hmm. it looks like a really bright single star because of how close mm-hmm. they actually are aligning. Um, And I'm just like, oh, they call it the Bethlehem. That's so interesting, right? Like it goes back to a Christian narrative, but like that isn't, they don't have to call it. You know, I, they could right. change it to be whatever. And right. so I'm just so fascinated by it. And then I'm like, oh, now I have this sense of wonder of like, is was this it you know like am mm-hmm. i experiencing yeah you know what they yeah. were following yeah yeah i think yeah there's a sense in which obviously we experience what they were following you know it's it, this is one manifestation of it uh but as you said even even just looking up at the you know uh this morning i actually walking our dog uh because i had a breakfast meeting and it was like just pre-dawn you know just the beginning the moon and the stars and could still be seen but there's like and it was, you know, it was a very beautiful sky. And I actually thought, oh, it's beautiful. And it's like, even those things are, you know, any true sense of beauty is a is a common human experience and a glimpse of God's beauty and wonder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that, you know, in a way, it sort of demands some sort of explanation, even if you don't have faith. Uh, in the piece, I, I, I quote Alan Lightman, who's a, he's a writer I, I like. He's a scientist uh he's a physicist i believe and as an author both he's written lots of you know non-physics books and he you know he he doesn't deny the spiritual experiences he just defines them as purely natural a you know a result of you know molecules and and forces and you know uh you know particles interacting that give us the experience of something and for him that's all it that's all it is because that's all it can be and uh i do think that's uh i don't deny that molecules and forces and particles are involved but i think those of us with you know a, a who believe we're in this bigger story and that there is an actual something that's wonder an actual spiritual reality that is beyond particles and forces and molecules you know, might say that that those physical things are the effect of this spirituality, this wonder, this, you know, these experiences, and not the cause of it. That uh, there's something more, and that a purely natural explanation that is, whether it's you know evolutionary biology, that it's good, you know, somehow it's it helps us survive to have a sense of wonder or something, or to be drawn to the beautiful. Um, you know, it is probably good to be drawn to the beautiful, but um, mm-hmm. I think that seems like such a, uh, I don't know, it seems like such a low explanation and such a, a lower definition of who we are, which if it's true, it's true. I just don't believe it is true. I believe we actually, sure. there is a real reality there. And then when you're looking up at the sky, you're experiencing something real. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that Christmas is supposed to be, you know, for us, 
or perhaps Easter or both, you know, the the primary reminders in our calendar that, hey, we're in this big story and, you know, we should carry the sense of wonder forward in our, in our lives. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, to me, it's a definitional sort of thing that we are, we are in it. We are recognizing that we're in this story and somehow we should reflect it, you know, all the time. Yeah. It just, as you're, uh, referencing, uh, Alan and, uh, mm-hmm. his writings and his beliefs, like it also kind of goes back to, um, what you were saying. I know we've had conversations about this, um, before just of like certainty and uncertainty mm-hmm. within even belief. And yeah, just, I guess how you've explained that and this narrative in the story makes me go, Oh, do we lose wonder because we yearn for certainty? And like, we just need something that's just matter of fact, we need it to be able to explain to us. And so we are naturally kind of taking ourselves away from wonder because we're seeking out certainty and something in my life is I know like I'm way more comfortable now with uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's opened my life up to be able to wonder more. And I I definitely think that's part of it for sure. I think, you know, whether you're certain or not, uh, you know, I think, you know, Dr. Lightman, uh, Lightman, uh, he believes that everything can be explained physically. He believes you, we live in a universe and a story where physical is the ultimate. That's all there is that, you know, our physical sensations and such are, are the, you know, the baseline of reality. And so basically for him, he's recognizing that there are these wondrous spiritual experiences, but they're different. I mean, they're fundamentally different for him than they are for me because he has to explain them purely physically, whether he can actually explain it or not that, you know, the idea that everything is only physical to be explained, um, you know, is, is kind of where he's coming from. And I, you know, I think that, you know, so that whether that's certainty or whether that's explainability or whatever, there's this sense of, yeah, this glimpse of this far off country is something that's beyond us and it's something to be experienced. And, you know, I think you, there is a, you know, can I, I can't explain this. And am I comfortable with the fact that not everything is, is explainable? I do think that's a, a wrestling match for us. And if you live in a world where everything is explainable, whether you can explain it or not, you've kind of gotten rid of most of the, of wonder. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the cosmos in general, right? Like, like the distance and separation between us physically and the cosmos, but then also our understanding and what we can try to comprehend kind of based on what we know, how things react here, you know, and we're trying to explain and understand something that you know, you're you seeing the past, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah, right. you're, yeah. It, it, it's That's amazing. Um, just so crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so that I think is also just like for me looking up at the sky day or night, and I just go, oh, the, yeah, the separation, this vastness of, of who God is 
and yeah. my understanding and the wonder and this gift that was brought here that the supernatural beyond our thinking and understanding was present. Yeah. Present in a way that, you know, changed everything about our lives, but then also yeah. gives us the promise that one day, you know, he came to visit, uh, you know, in a sense, this country that we're in a, you know, aliens and exiles in, as the New Testament says, uh, but that one day we'll be invited, you know, to our home country, to his home country. And it's, it's as C.S. Lewis says in The Weight of Glory, uh, uh, something I quote from a few times in this piece, he says, at present we are on the outside of the world, the wrong side of the door. We cannot mingle with the splendors we see, but all the leaves of the New Testament are rustling with a rumor that it will not always be so. Someday, God willing, we shall get in. Of course, Lewis is a great, great writer, great you know, sort of illusion. Um, that, uh, that, what you know, the the all of these glimpses of wonder, whether it's the night sky or, you know, or Christmas, uh, you know, is are are glimpses of this world that we'll, we'll be invited to, and that is, you know, the hope of the ultimate hope of Christmas is that it portends that we will be. You know, we will be reunited uh, with, um, you know, with God in Christ in, you know, physically present in his new, new Jerusalem, new city. Uh, and that, you know, that is kind of definitionally who we are. And Christmas is a reminder of that. And I think, or should be, and uh, it that's a wondrous thing. And I almost feel like, uh, there's a vulnerability maybe to wonder. There's a, there's some, uh, you know, we're not totally comfortable even, uh, maybe always talking about it or recognizing it. Uh, and I, I just think there's, I don't exactly know why that is, but it feels like, but there's like a high stakes sort of, uh, very personal, deeply personal, ultimately personal experience that we have you have difficulty explaining, I think. Yeah. I I was thinking like, why, why do we have a difficult time even, you know, around, you know, the most wondrous time, right? The celebration of Christmas. I think that that is an undertone of the entire season, but as adults, yeah, we do have, uh, have, a reaction to like, oh, I shouldn't feel that like I'm an adult beyond yeah. that. Right. Um, and so like, what is that guard? And I yeah, think there's it, a childlikeness to wonder rightly experienced and understood that we probably, yeah. is it, is it our language in our culture? Like, is that like sub subversively like maybe. telling us a oh, childlike wonder, a child can wonder as an adult, you, you know, know, like, is it, it. Yeah, you know, yeah, that there is a sense of that, that we, and listen, obviously we become more cynical and worldly wise and so on as, you know, we, as we discover that the elf on the shelf, you know, is not really, you know, real. Uh, now, you know, there's no Santa Claus, there's no tooth fairy, but so all that stuff, but there is something that's better than all of those things. And yeah. for which childlike wonder is really warranted. 
And, you know, maybe as we, you know, as we're getting towards the end of our time here, this sense of how do we, how do we recapture or capture for the first time, uh, you know, the wonder that Christmas should be and how do we carry that forward? Uh, I do think there's a sense of, yeah, submission, dependence, childlike yeah. posture, the faith of a child, as Jesus, you know, says, he brings a child on his knee and says, unless you believe like this child, I think there's something there that I need to at least think about, submit myself to uh, as part of a regular spiritual practice. Yeah, and in that stance, I think I'm probably far more likely to experience wonder than, you know, a life I'm, I've got everything covered and I'm in charge of and uh, I know what I'm doing and, you know, I know what to do and I know what the answers are. Uh, and all of those things individually aren't bad things. If this is, if they're bad, if I lose the sense of dependence and wonder, uh, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that's it. I think if you lose sight of right the, the real meaning of Christmas, if you lose sight of that, and I, I think you probably lose a, a bit of yourself, um, if I'm mm-hmm. being honest. And mm-hmm. I. I don't say that accusatory or anything. I, I think I've I've experienced that as well, um, to where, yeah, now I'm having to kind of rethink. You know, like last year, I've left my Christmas lights on my house till March because I was like, I want to see the lights and the snow because that there's something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of wondrous and wonderful about that, that uh, mm-hmm. the glow and um, the beauty that I relate the snow to, to God. And, mm. um, and I, I was like, I don't leave them on. I turn them on for, <laughs> for the snow. Um, but I needed to leave them up for the snow. Um, mm. and I, so in- like now I'm, I'm like seeking out, I think I'm trying to find opportunities to experience that. And so I question sometimes, you know, am I doing this because I'm trying to make up for lost time or lost wonder? Um, but I'm yeah mm. trying to find it in more mm-hmm. places, I think. Yeah, so I think that's our challenge, and that's kind of maybe where we'll leave it, is that, you know, Christmas and not only Christmas, but a sunrise and, you know, night sky and, you know, waterfall, a valley, a mountain are all opportunities for wonder. The thing about Christmas is it is that we can try to, try to, you know, manufacture an experience, which is probably the opposite of the stance that we ought to have in order to really experience wonder. Yeah. Uh, because in the in the biblical stories, wonder sort of comes upon you, right? I mean, the, the angel just shows up, and the star just appears, you know, that God's sort of managing the story, and then if we rightly see it, we see wonder. And so, you know, maybe uh, I think this podcast drops on Christmas, the morning of Christmas Eve, uh, so if you if you hear it uh, before Christmas, then uh, you know perhaps um, having a, a sense that God, that God bring you wonder or experience of wonder. If you listen to it after; it's the same. You know that we become people who rightly see the glimpses of this far off yet home country that we're called to, and that that we respond with childlike wonder and worship and awe and glory. Uh, so with that uh, grace and peace Merry Christmas uh, and uh, may God bring you wonder
You've been listening to On Culture, a podcast of the Embassy Newsletter. Have a question? Send it to theembassy at substack.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.